Well, today we're concluding our current series that we've entitled Our Story. As we look at this next chapter or season at LifePoint, we believe that God wants to use our story to accomplish his purposes and to grow our faith. And so we've invited you these last few weeks to just fully engage and allow our story collectively to be our story individually. And our story, it starts with a mission. It starts with the mission or the purpose or what LifePoint is all about. And our mission, our purpose at LifePoint has always been about pointing people to life in Jesus. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've, we've talked about what does that mean and what does that look like? And it revolves around four pillars. And we said this, and we kind of went in backwards order. We said, we're going to serve others. That we're going to connect in meaningful relationships with other people. That we're going to grow in our personal faith relationship with God. And finally, today what we're looking at is that we are committed as a people, as a church, to introducing people to Jesus. Now why? Why is that so important? Well, because if you understand the story of God, you know that the story of God is God drawing people to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. So at LifePoint, man, we want everybody, everyone to meet Jesus. Jesus, in fact, said this in the New Testament. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm the only way that you can get to the Father. To the Father. And so because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, it, it, you could say it this way, is that not everything else in life really pales in comparison. Nothing else in life actually matters outside of that. Now, here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask right now, if you haven't already started, to uh, reach in front of you and grab a little piece of paper out of the seat in front of you and start to take notes. Now, every once in a while over the years, I'll ask you to take notes. I usually don't ask you. I mention it, but I don't ask you. So on those occasions where I think uh, I really want you to take notes, uh, I invite you to do that. And here's why. It's because there's going to be a lot of information, and and it's going to be easy to forget a lot of it, but we don't want you to forget this week because this is something that I'm hoping you, you know, put in your car, put it at home, at work, wherever. And, and the reason I want you to take notes is because this, re- this topic that we're talking about today, introducing people to Jesus, it's the whole re- reason we're still here on earth. I mean, I want you to think about this. God could have saved us and taken us right up to heaven. Because the other three items, are, our other three pillars of, you know, connecting with others, you know, we can do that in heaven, can't we? Uh, worshiping God, growing in our relationship with God, we can do that in heaven. Serving each other, we can do that in heaven. We can't introduce people to Jesus in heaven because everybody there already knows Jesus, right? And so we can't do that one in heaven. And so this is that one pillar that that has to be part of who we are. So I want to make sure you're taking notes so you can track along with this. (coughs) In fact, uh, you got to take notes today if you're going to, you know, get an A in church. Uh, because you won't remember it all. This sermon series, but especially this pillar or this value that we're talking about is, has been about intentionality, about being purposeful and intentional about introducing people to Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to show you a video that, that uh, we put together with a, another group of people, the original group that you've been seeing the last three weeks after they had been here for a couple hours after church and I wouldn't let them go to have lunch or go to the bathroom because I just wanted to get it done, uh, we finally realized this, they've been there so long, we were like, we'll just get another group to do the last, the last video. And so we gathered another group and, 
and this is so rich. We could have a 15, 20 minute video. There's so much, but we tried our best to kind of condense it down. And, and so we want you to watch this because this will really lead us into what we're talking about today. The intentional part starts with me first thing in the morning. If I don't pray about it and ask for help in making it a focus of my day, um, it doesn't get done because then I default to I got to work, I have to do this and that. So I literally, that's my prayer in the morning that God would make me aware of the opportunities that are set before me, divine opportunities to share Jesus with others. And so I have to put in the forefront of my mind, I write it on a piece of paper next to my computer to remind myself. So I'm literally looking for those opportunities to share Jesus. And being a school teacher and working at the jail at night teaching, I have all kinds of opportunities to share Jesus with others. Well, I think I was very influenced by the verse. I became a Jew to win Jews, and I believe the calling on my life specifically is to reach out to hunters, um, to outdoorsmen, fishermen. That's that's my heart. I'm an outdoorsman, and uh, this has been my passion. So I'm actually probably around more non-Christians than Christians intentionally, and I, I aim at least once a month to be out in some wild excursion. Every morning, or well, I try to remember, but I just pray, Lord, I want to be your hands and feet. And I don't go around trying to manipulate situations and... Uh, have you heard of the four spiritual laws and just shove it down their throat? I find I found it the best thing to do is just be relaxed and do my job, go through life, and there'll be a kind of a, like a little buzz in the back of my mind, like it seems like the Lord wants to do a work in His life, but the Lord just opens the door without me forcing Him. That's the most effective because it means that Brent's not trying to manipulate it, but God's opening the door, and then just walk through it. So I used to think that it was impossible for me to share my story and get people to come to church off of it because, you know, I've gone to church my whole life and that's not really much of a testimony because, like, people always have, like, these awesome testimonies and stuff and mine's like, oh, I've been a Christian my whole life. And then it finally clicked in this, these past couple of years that it's not just my testimony that matters to people or that gets people hooked on to coming to church, but it's how God has worked in my life. So by sharing things that I've been through and sharing experiences, I figure that it also builds relationships and people see more into my life and see more personal sides to me and um, it makes it easier to converse with them and talk to them about their life experiences and then talking about Jesus and the importance of Him just becomes so much more important, so much easier to um, express. For me, I am less intentional. I think I'm more like a light, a bright light when I go places because it's in my heart that I'm a server. And so I serve at church, as most of you know, but I also serve just everywhere I go. And so a lot of times people just I guess they kind of see my joy. So I've actually had several families from my kids' school have actually joined LifePoint. I've had neighbors come and join LifePoint, and it's just because they didn't see me at church, but they saw that I had a passion and that I had a heart to serve. I've thought of it. I haven't executed. I've thought, like, because I don't... I haven't done enough. I feel like I don't know how. To. 
thought of it. I haven't executed. I've thought like, cause I don't, I haven't done enough. I, I feel like I don't know how to approach the situation and how to, um, how to, I guess, bring someone into the church. So I know for, for Joseph and I, we, uh, we our initial connection was actually back at high school for uh, the soccer team. Um, I just got to talking with him and I got to um, just kind of bring up church and the aspect of how, you know, just I believe that like church can really be a place that someone can start the relationship with God because um, it's such a welcoming environment for that and so um, I know I really for a while there I was pushing on Joey to come after inviting him for a couple weeks he said yes and so um, it was actually funny I had to get him to miss soccer practice to come even I know since then I mean that wasn't even that long ago and I know since then he's just really grown in his relationship with Christ and um, just now it's like he's been here forever and he has a lot of relationships with the people in the youth group. For being in youth, I find it to be somewhat easier to invite people to um, church because for non-Christians, church on Sunday can seem somewhat intimidating. So having youth group makes it a lot easier to invite people and get them connected because the youth group is just more fun and relaxed and stuff like that. And so about a year ago, uh, a little less, a little more than a year ago actually, um, Macy uh, she was in my English class, and I asked her every single day to come to youth group with me. And for every single day, for like four months, she told me no. Every single day. But I didn't care, and I kept asking her and asking her. And finally, in late February, she came. And then on her third or second week of being here, she actually accepted Jesus. So it's just a crazy thing. Like, Life Point is just so welcoming. And I finally got her to come, and now she's part of the family, and it's just really awesome. So... I love inviting people. It changes their lives. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? So, so rich and so much there that we'll talk about as we continue this morning. The scriptures are clear to us. They're clear to us that Jesus was intentional and he was purposeful and he wants us to be just as intentional. Listen to how purposeful and intentional Jesus was in Luke chapter 19.10. He said, for the Son of Man, that's himself, came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. He, was, he had a mission. He was focused. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, which are often, you know, it's kind of our, our mission statement a, as Christians. It's our marching orders as Christians. Jesus told you and I, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now that word go, it actually literally means in the Greek, as you are going. One translation says it best. It says, wherever you go, make disciples. In other words, as you go about your daily life, just whatever you're doing, whatever's a part of your life, just make disciples. It's not, okay, I'm going to go today, and I'm going to think about making a disciple. I'll take a few days off now, and I'll get back to it later. Oh, the pastor did a series or sermon on, on making disciples, so okay, I'll, I'll re-engage for a week, and then I'll kind of forget. That's not what Jesus said. He says, you're just going about your life, your daily life, whatever you're doing. In that journey, in that process, you are ma- he's called us to make disciples. In fact, as, as we think about this more, discipleship making includes a, a couple different things. It includes sharing the gospel with those who are not yet Jesus followers. It's then helping them into that next step, which is baptizing them, who, those who respond in faith and repentance. And as baptism becomes their public testimony of what has happened to them in, in their hearts. And then finally, 
Discipleship making is training or teaching somebody to follow or obey Jesus. The question for us this morning is practically, how do we do the first part of the disciple making? How do we, you know, introduce people to Jesus? Well, that's where, why we're wanting you to take notes this morning, because we're hoping you're going to track along with this and, and, and remember these and think about them. And the first one's kind of the, the simple one. It's the easy one, but it's also the hardest. It's pray. Pray, pray, pray. Okay, so it's the first three points. Pray, pray, pray. Why pray? Because prayer is, is simply talking to God. Maybe you've heard this before. It's simply talking to God about our family or friends or neighbors before we talk to them about God. We talk to God first about them. Did you catch Steve, what he said in the video? <clears throat> that he, in, he has to be intentional. And so the first part of his day in the morning, he gets up and he starts praying. And he, I loved what he said. He starts praying that God would make him aware of divine opportunities that God puts before him. So he starts off with prayer. Brent mentioned that he tries to pray every single morning about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Again, the key word is intentional today. Intentional intentionally praying for others. Well, after you, you start really genuinely praying for people, what's next? Well, then we start introducing people to Jesus by investing in others. We invest in others, which means you and I are going to say, all right, if I'm going to invest in somebody, that means I've got to meet them where they're at. It means I want to learn their story. I want to know their context of their life and, and what brought them to this place in their life to make, who they are, make up who they are. It means caring for others. It means loving others. I, I got a chance this last week to meet with Elisa Stevens. And now Elisa Stevens, uh, uh, LifePoint supported her on her almost year-long mission trip to, to England this past year. She was a part of a, a ministry called Gem Ministries. And I loved hearing about the methods or the strategies that are used by Gem Ministries and the church she was a part of as part of them making disciples. And here was the phrase that, that they used that just really grabbed me. And it was the phrase, on mission. On mission. That being on mission is intentionally and purposefully, genuinely investing in others and caring for them and hearing their stories and eventually bringing them to their smaller gatherings. I, I want you to listen to how she wrote it in one of her newsletters. She says they're intentionally welcoming and they're intentionally welcoming and friendly, desiring to build relationships in all directions between believers and non-believers in everyday life. That's the whole as you're going component. Then she says this, I love this. There isn't a sacred secular divide here. Everyone all the time is on mission, seeking to proclaim the love of Christ through their actions and if they get a chance by their words. You see, introducing people to Jesus starts with investing in the lives of those who are around us, choosing intentionally to be on mission. You remember, you remember what Brent said in the video? He said he tries to be around non-Christians as much as possible. In fact, he said he's around non-Christians more than he is around Christians. He chooses to invest in others, and for him, it's outdoor activities. It's, you know, going and shooting things. And, uh, and for him, and he gathers people around him who like to do that. And there's probably a bunch of you who like to do the outdoor activities. And I, you guys ought to all get together and, and, and invite people. Cameron talked about intentionally inviting Joseph. Invest in others. Learn their story. And then when the time is right, you share your story. 
to share your story of how Jesus has changed your life. That's exactly what Grace figured out, didn't she? Remember what she said? Grace didn't think she had a testimony because she was raised in the church and she thought that wasn't as good as, you know, what something else. And but she realized that she did have a testimony. And her testimony for her was how God has been working in her life. So she shares that and she shares what she's been through and her experiences. And did you catch what she said? She discovered by doing that, by sharing her story about how God's been in her, involved in her life and, and a part of her life, that's how she's been able to build those relationships. When the Apostle Paul stood before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, the time was right for him to share his story. I'd encourage you, read that story sometime this week. L- watch and listen er, or pay attention to how Paul shared his story. And I think you'll find some incredible insights even for you as you share your own story. So we share our story, and when the time comes and you have the opportunity to share your story, the Bible says we need to be ready for that. We need to be equipped for that. To be able to, we need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. First Peter chapter three, verse fifteen. He, he said this. Uh, Peter said, "Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have." I love this next translation. I want to say this together. It says, if someone asks about your Christian hope, if somebody asks, always, and what's the next two words? Always what? Always? Always be ready. Always be ready to explain your hope. And for some of you, you know what that means? That means your preparation and being prepared. For some of you, you're going to become a, a Bible expert. You're going to really know the story of God in the Bible and really know all about the Bible. Others of you might become apologetics experts and know how to really defend the faith. Others of you, you might be, you know, personal story experts that you just are able to share your story in in an amazing way. See, the bottom line is, as you share your story, think about it through these lenses. Just you be you. Just be you. You don't have to be Billy or Franklin Graham or Rabbi Zacharias or Lee Strobel or Hugh Ross or Craig Rochelle or Rick Warren. You just be you. So get prepared. Be ready as God's grace moves your heart with how he wired you and how he created you. But I can tell you this, no matter how God has wired us or created us, we can all share our own personal stories. Why? Because every single person here this morning, you have a story. You have a story of the way God's been working in your life. Every person. No, pastor, you don't understand. My story's not that exciting. Oh, you better believe it is. It really is. I mean, you were lost without God. And Jesus saved you and he gave you a hope and a future. And he gives you joy and peace and grace and contentment. And he blesses you. What could be more exciting than to have that in your life? So what is your story? Again, as Grace shared, I just share how God's worked in my life. That's your story. So when it comes to your story, I want to I help you with that. I want to get kind of practical and help you with kind of maybe a, a way, not the only way, but a way maybe to organize it in your thoughts and your brains as you write this out this morning. And one of the things we do, first of all, is we share about what was our life like before Jesus came into our life? Well, that's the easiest place to start. It's like maybe for you it was, well, you know, I was in major despair or, or I, was, I had some major issues in my life. I just didn't have any joy or I lacked hope. I knew something was missing. 
I had done the church thing growing up, but, but I walked away from church or from God. Whatever the case may be, what was your life like before Christ? Next, just share how you learned about Jesus. What changed? How'd you hear about the good news about Jesus? Maybe it was a friend who started talking to you. Maybe someone you work with. Maybe it was a Gideon Bible in a hotel that you decided to pick up and read. Maybe it was watching a TV preacher. I always remember the story that Raul Reese told. Uh, I, I used to listen to him all the time when I was in Southern California. He's a pastor of one of the Calvary chapels, and he was in a hotel literally ready to blow his brains out. And a TV evangelist came on, on and he started paying attention, and God used that and changed his life. Maybe you grew up in church by grace. How'd you, you know, so maybe you've been slowly learning about Jesus your whole life. Maybe someone invited you to church and you started hearing about Jesus. Maybe for you it was a slow process of kind of discovering and learning about Jesus. You were on this faith journey. Maybe for some of you it was, boom, instantaneous. You were lost one day and you heard the message and you got, you were found. I mean, it's different for everybody. How did you learn about Jesus? And then next, what happened? What happened to cause you to respond? This is kind of like that actual conversion part of the story, right? For me, I had been going to church for a couple of years, learning about Jesus, kind of understanding it, starting to believe. And my senior pastor, Roger Boatman, came over to our, our house and, and he sat with me in the, in the living room or, and, and he began to, to share the gospel. And he had some paper and he drew some things on it and he shared all that. And then when he finished, he asked me, do I understand all this? I said, yes. And he just said, point blank, said, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? And I was like, yeah, I'm ready. I understand. I get it. I've been hearing about Jesus. I've been started praying. I, I believed it. I just hadn't had the opportunities for someone to say, you ready to do it right now? So we sat right there in our living room and we prayed and gave my life to Jesus. My wife, Heather, she was at a Billy Graham crusade. And she gave her life to Jesus. What for you was that conversion point? Finally, how about you share your life since you've become a Christian? In other words, you share about how Jesus has made a difference in your life, how he's impacted you. This is where you and I, if we're going to be real, we get vulnerable in our story. Because your life in Christ probably isn't all roses, right? Anybody living an easy, perfect life in Jesus? No, the Bible says, uh, Jesus said, in this world you will have, anybody know the verse? You will have what? Anybody know? Trouble. Some of you know that. In this world you're going to have trouble. It's not going to go away. That's why Jesus then went on and said, but take heart. I'll, I've overcome the world. I'm with you. I'll give you peace and joy. So share your story. Be vulnerable. You've had ups and downs, but it's your story. And the reality is, probably your life's probably not perfect, but with Christ, it's better. It's better. This is the most important part. What's your life like since you've become a Jesus follower? You know, when, uh, when a company puts out a new product for, for dieting or, or it's the new year and, and a company's trying to promote their workout routine or whatever the case may be, what do you always get to see in that ad? The before and after pictures, right? And you look at that before picture and you're like, oh my goodness. You look at the after picture and you're like, Okay, if that product will do that, I'm in. You understand what we're talking about? The before picture is what your life was like, but 
Here's the after. Here's what Jesus has done in my life. Here's what Jesus has done to my life. This is why I'm like this now. And that is the most important part of you sharing your story, which I have to ask this question that you, I want to have you a- answer in your heart and soul with the Lord this week. Has Jesus really changed your life? I mean, has he really? Because if you're just kind of going through the motions of life and religion and church and all that kind of stuff, man, this right here is a wake-up call to say, oh my goodness, Jesus, I'm not even allowing you to change my life. I'm not even allowing you to do what you can do or that only you can do in my life. So share your story. Now, a couple practical tips on sharing your story. Remember, 1 Peter 3 said, always be prepared, be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. So first practical tip, take the time and the energy to communicate your story better. Take the time. In fact, I would encourage you, write it out. Write out your story, read over it, look at it, edit it, say, no, I can do that better, I can say that better. If if you have uh, in a small group or a life group, share that with your, your, your friends or your life group. In fact, maybe do that this week. You all do that. Write it out and share together. And let them listen and say, well, yeah, you don't need that. Uh, you know, let's share this. Oh, that part of your story is amazing. Share that. Work together to share your uh, testimony, your story, in a more succinct, efficient, effective manner. But secondly, have several different length versions of your story. Okay? Don't just have the, I need 30 minutes, I need an hour of your time version. Well, I can't share with anybody because it's going to take me an hour and nobody will give me an hour. No, no, you need to have a 30-second version. You really do. You need to have a, you know, a, a, a one to two minute walking down the hallway with somebody or an elevator version. You need to have a three or four minute, you know, you're sitting over coffee or something and you get a moment in the conversation to share your story. And then if you get a chance to share the longer version, you're ready to go. So we pray. It's God's spirit that does the work in people's lives. We start with prayer. We invest in other people. We share our story. And finally, we invite people. We invite people. When we invest in people, when we take the time to invest in people, when the time is right, we want to invite them. Each one of us invite one. We want to invite them, first of all, into our relationship with God. Colossians chapter 4 says, Make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. Make the most of any and every opportunity you have to share the good news of Jesus. Now, some of us, some of you are better at actually sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Some are better than others at sharing it. And I get it. I totally understand. Some of us, when we think about sharing the story of Jesus through the gospel, we can get intimidated by it. But I would say this, don't worry about that. Give yourself permission to learn and to grow and to understand the gospel because remember, you're going to write it out. You're going to write your story and you're going to learn and develop how to share it. I love how Joseph was real on the video. As a newer Christian, he said, I don't know how to approach it yet. I don't even know how to really do this yet. I just thought that was incredible. You know, we didn't get the rest of what he shared, but, but that part, it's like, I don't know yet. I'm new at this. Well, to Joseph and to all of us, I say one of the easiest ways for you to share the gospel is to share the gospel in the context of your own story. Practically, it's one of the easiest ways to do it. In other words, use I statements. 
That's the easiest way. Don't think like you're sitting in school or something or you're sitting, you know, standing on stage and you got to do what the preacher does. Don't do any of that. Share in a, in a story format. You know, you say something like this. You say, you know, I learned and I knew and I understood that, man, I was lost. I was lost without God. And I knew I needed somebody to save me. I needed somebody to save me from my own sins. And so I learned that God sent his son Jesus to come to earth and die on a cross for my sins in my place, that he died for my sins, and then he rose from the dead. And I heard that, and it just grabbed me, and I wanted to know, what do I do next? So I started asking questions, and I started learning more, and I learned that I need to believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead. And I learned that I need to place my faith, my trust, my hope in Jesus to save me. So I just did it. And then I got baptized because he asked me to do that as a public confession of my faith. You see how that comes out? It's your story. Sharing the gospel in the context of your story. I understand that can be difficult for some. And give yourself permission to take time to learn how to do that. But God's calling us to learn how to do it. But another aspect of inviting that we can all do very easily as we're developing and sharing the gospel story is that we can invite others to a gathering of believers. It could be a group of Christians, friends of yours, who are hanging out, maybe having a barbecue, and you're like, hey, let's invite this person that I've been praying for, and and this is a great opportunity for them to spend time around us. Here, maybe it's inviting them to your life group. Maybe it's this, is we have uh, church activities here that go on from time to time. We have here what we call at LifePoint community groups. And, and I love that we have these community groups because they're, they're groups that maybe are, are, you know, people share a similar life stage or maybe they share a common interest. You know, Brent's like, hey, I'll, I'll get together with anybody who wants to hunt or fish or shoot something or kill something or capture something, you know. And, and so some of you are like, yeah, count me in. So we have these community groups here at LifePoint. And I think they're wonderful and I support their existence. But if those community groups here at LifePoint do not have a strong element of mission, of purposely and intentionally seeking to invite those who aren't yet Jesus followers, then i got to tell you those groups are missing a huge opportunity, dare I say responsibility, that they have. And frankly, if that element of mission is not a part of those groups here at LifePoint, I'm just telling you as your pastor, I don't get too excited about the group. But if the group is like, hey, bring people you know that don't know Jesus, let's have that be a big part of what we're doing. And I get excited about that in those groups. So invite somebody to a gathering of believers. Next, you invite them to church. P. Williams, did you catch what she said? She said she wasn't intentional. Did you hear that? Now, you and I all know we saw right through that, didn't we? Didn't you see right through that? I mean, she, I think she's just being a humble. She's like, I, I, she hasn't thought about it. But the reality is she's super intentional. She purposely serves others, and she serves others with passion and enthusiasm. And she represents the joy. She's a light for Jesus and represents the joy of Jesus. And then when she gets opportunities, she invites people to, to church, doesn't she? And you heard her say, there's a whole bunch of people who are here at LifePoint because she invited you. Invite people to church. And if the church is going to be effective in reaching people for Jesus and making disciples, then the church has got to be a couple things. The church of God has got to be relevant in appearance and relevant in approach. 
Now, what do I mean by that? You, you're relevant in appearance, relevant in approach. You remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9? We mentioned this a few weeks ago. It's kind of almost a mantra for us this year. Paul said, I, I have become all things to all people to reach some for Jesus. And we said, hey, we want to be people this year who kind of master, you know, this I have become. And, and I'll do whatever it takes. I'll make the adjustments. I'll be open to something, whatever I need to do or become or be in order to reach some for Jesus, which means we must be relevant in appearance and presentation. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, the modern reality is we're an extremely visual society, aren't we? Have you figured that out? For example, cities revitalize their downtowns. They rebrand, rebuild, redo everything. Why? To attract people. Stadiums are torn down and rebuilt. Anybody here ever been to Arco Arena and now has been to Golden One? Raise your hand if you've been to both. Incredible, isn't it? The change. I mean, it's like night and totally, what an amazing experience it is now. Houses are torn down and rebuilt. You and I take perfectly good clothes that clothe us, that have color in them, that, aren't, that don't have holes in them, and we either give them away or we throw them away and we buy new ones. Why? Well, for some of us, you know, we kind of got like this or, 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 or maybe we got like that. I understand that. But other than that, why do we take perfectly good throw clothes and toss them or get new ones? Why? Because appearance is relevant in our society. And we look at that and we go, I want to look like something else. Most of society understands that in order to capture people, we must care about the presentation, the package, the appearance. And that needs to be true even in churches, even in churches. I love what Linda Johnson said a few weeks ago in the video. She said this. She talked about church being her home. Remember that? And she says, we are welcoming people into our home. And I started thinking about that, welcoming people into our home. And I started thinking about my own home. I, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I can almost guarantee most of you, maybe not all of you, but most of you, some of you don't care, but most of you, you will be hesitant to invite someone into your home if it's old, worn out, dirty, nasty, unpresentable, right? Right, you're going to be hesitant to say, I want some, how about we meet at your house? How about we meet down at Panera or, or you know, Starbucks, Right? We're hesitant if our house is nasty. The Delft's home, we bought it 15 years ago. We started the church in our home. We've had countless small groups in our home. For 10 years, we met in our home. We've had hundreds, probably thousands of kids in our home. Our home has the original paint. What's left of it? We have our original carpet which is kind of buried under all the new colors that we've created over the years. We have our original cabinets with, with uh, the cheap, we didn't upgrade, so we have the cheap wood and all the panels are separating and falling apart and, 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 and hinges break about once a month that I have to replace. My cabinets are so bad that one of the things that happens is they break apart and Home Depot doesn't carry any of the parts. I've tried to find the parts. They don't exist for my cheap cabinets you know they have them for the better ones for mine and so most of my cabinet drawers are held together now because they broke are held together by zip ties <laughs> in the back I'm not kidding so I don't really close all the way because I need a, I need the zip tie our house is a complete war zone due to age cheap materials and our significant investment in relationships 
Well, now that our kids are older, we want to update. We want to make our home presentable. We want it to be something that we want to invite people to again. You understand what I'm saying? Same with the church. Presentation matters. Everything from the outside to the inside, from the signage to the colors to the pictures to the way we actually do church, it all matters. We all have different opinions of nice or welcoming or different strategies on how we would do it. But it's important. Okay, so we invite people to our home, to our church home. Grace, I love what she said. She asked Macy every day for four months. Man, I love that tenacity. And Macy finally came, probably because she was getting sick and tired of Grace asking. But that's all right. Whatever it takes to get here, because on her second or third week, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. Praise God. I love, she said this, and this is how we ended the video. I love inviting people to church because it changes their lives. So invite people. Invite people into a relationship with God. Invite them into, into gatherings of other believers. Invite them to church. And we want to be relevant. When you invite them to church, we're, we work hard. We want to be relevant in appearance. But we want to be relevant as a church in our approach. I hope that one of the unique distinctives of LifePoint, which has been, and I hope and pray will always be, is that we try to be a genuine, caring community that all people would be welcome and that they would experience and feel th that, that welcomeness. Now, I understand it's not going to be perfect, and I understand that not everybody is always going to experience it, but I hope and pray it's never going to be for a lack of trying on our part as a church leadership and your part as a church family. I want you to think about this. Cam said church is a great place to help start a relationship with God. It's such a welcoming environment. I don't want that to ever change for us. In fact, the reality is you and I are always one week away from not being open and friendly. You ever think about that? We're one week away. That means every one of us, every single week, must pour our enthusiasm, our love, our sincerity, our concern for everybody who walks through our doors. Now, each of us does our part. Now, the easiest way for you to think about you doing your part is to think about that family member or that friend or that coworker or that person that your kids or, or grandkids or nieces or nephews are playing sports with. You think about that person that you're inviting to church this next Sunday, and you think about what you hope happens. You ever brought somebody? And you're texting friends, right, saying, hey, guys, let's make sure we say hi to them. Hey, let's, have you ever done that? I know I have. I do that all the time. I'm like, hey, make sure we're on, our greeters are on, our ushers are on, make sure the music's good, make sure the preaching doesn't suck, make sure the music's good. Uh, did I say that out loud? Um, <laughs> make sure, you know, kids' kingdom is incredible and, children and, and uh, uh, the student ministry is incredible. Make sure that at, we're dialing on all cylinders. That's what I hope, so that we can actually help them experience God and eventually hear the message of Jesus Christ. That's what I hope. I'll bet you you hope the same thing. So when you think about that friend and what you want your church to do and be, so you then do your part in the same similar fashion. Does that make sense? That's what we're doing. So maybe for you, it's make it a goal each week to introduce three people, yourself to three people you don't know, because you never know what your connection or relationship will be in a circumstance or situation to that person you're introducing to. 
Maybe you engage, say, I'm going to engage in a meaningful conversation every single week, as much as you can have meaningful conversations in our short time. Maybe you say, my goal, I'm going to smile, and I'm going to greet 10 people. Whatever it is that you as the host of your church family needs to do as a good host to welcome people who have been invited into our environment. Life Point's mission is pointing people to life in Jesus. But the real question is, what about you? Is that your mission? Are you personally on a mission? Paul was. He said in 2 Corinthians, Christ's love compels us. As long as there are people here on this earth who don't know the good news that Jesus saves, God says to you and I, we've got to keep reaching out. We have the best news in the world. We have to share it. So I close with this question. Does Christ's love compel you? Does it compel you to introduce people to Jesus, to pray for them, to invest in them, to share your story, and ultimately to invite them into a relationship with Jesus? Does Christ's love compel you? Will you allow Christ's love to compel you to introduce others to Jesus? Let's pray. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I I imagine that just by saying, God, reveal to us a person or two or three that's in my life, I imagine if you pray that right now, God will show you somebody or a few people that God wants to use you to reach out to intentionally. And will you just take a moment and name those people before God? God, as you hear hundreds of people bring up to you hundreds of names, faces, lives, God, I pray you do a mighty work in each of their lives. And God, we as a church, we want to be purposeful. We want to be intentional to invite people, to introduce people to Jesus. So God, as we've brought you these names, we commit to you this morning to engage purposely and intentionally to introduce people to Jesus. God, that's my hope and prayer for every single person here. In Jesus' name, amen.